Hi, I'm Graham Lasso, and you're listening to Eat, Sleep, Chelsea, Repeat with Chris, Craig, and Brady. Welcome to the Eat, Sleep, Chelsea, Repeat pod. The headline this week, three little birds, three big goals. Chelsea rams that Crystal Palace. I'm Chris, and today I'm joined by my good friend Brady. How's it going, Brady? How are you feeling? 3-1. I mean, for the non-music uh, nerds, Three Little Birds is actually the Bob Marley song, if you're confused. <laughs> uh, I, actually had, I actually had a Three Little Birds, uh, Three Men of a Podcast joke, but Craig's not here. Valentine's Day got him, I guess. Uh, but he, Craig's busy this week, but uh, just me and you. But yeah, very happy. I mean, uh I wasn't happy first half, tell you that much. And you go back to the WhatsApp group and uh, yeah. I was fuming with the first half performance and we need, do need to talk about that because a little bit of a trend I'm, uh, I think we'll see it in some games. But they turned it around and the scenes at the end are fantastic. So, yeah, good vibes, good win. And really, really huge win for Poch as well. Pivotal game that he won. So, yeah, happy. Yeah. Um, well, maybe the Bob Marley film will knock Argyle off any sort of charts, so uh, we can look forward to that. Going um, nowhere, Argyle. <laughs> um, yeah, let's talk about the game. It was uh, a game that had a bit of everything um, and nothing at the same time. Um, ma- mainly the first half had nothing. But uh, Chelsea ran out 3-1 winners in the end, um, which is our 10th win of the season, which now matches our losses, which seems to be a constant theme. Kind of go hand in hand. You're actually Have symmetric. We're actually symmetrical if you look at the table. We've got ten losses, four draws, and ten. Uh, sorry, ten wins, four draws, and ten losses. So wherever you put it, it's the same. <laughs> we've, got, we've got a positive goal difference now, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it really annoys me when we've got negative goal difference. I can't <laughs> take that. So it's a bit big, a big positive to being a positive. Let's say. Yeah. There's only actually one team that has a negative goal difference above us. Do you know that? That is West Ham. West Ham, yeah. United uh, United almost have that. They're, they're actually on zero. So, Yeah, they seem to have a knack of being fifth or sixth and just having neutral goal difference is something we need to learn maybe. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, so we had 77% possession against Crystal Palace, which was a lot. Um, uh, we had 87% pass accuracy, five shots on target out of our 14. Crystal Palace had four shots on target of their 13. Expected goals, Chelsea 1.4 to Crystal Palace's 0.6. Line-up for this one was basically the same as the Aston Villa game, but just the one change. Thiago Silva replaced um, the injured Badia Chile, um, although as the game progressed, Colwell actually replaced the injured Thiago Silva. Um, after an hour, but um, there's a revol- there's a revolving door at Fulham General. A Fulham Road General. How do you see the team set up? And how we went approach this one? I mean, yeah, it was it was horses for courses from the Villa game. I think they said this on uh, straight out problem podcast, which obviously I reference a lot. If you had to, you know, I'm just going to put on my captain uh, my captain hindsight cap here. I think what Poch did was he didn't change a winning team other than an enforced change. And really, I think particularly Jackson and maybe Madueke, <clears throat> I think you could have started Raheem Sterling in this game um, against a low block. I just don't, I think we really struggled to break a low block down with the team we had. I mean, Jackson is notoriously better against high lines 
Um, Palmer was nowhere in the first half. The false nine, he just couldn't get in the game. Um, so yeah, I think it was a game where you couldn't argue with the team. I think we all agreed that you know we're playing a winning team essentially. And after the Villa performance, you know you couldn't really get on Poch for that. But I think in hindsight, I think some rotation actually would have really helped us in the game. And we saw that when Nkunku came on in the second half and. Uh, Palmer went to the right wing in the second in the right wing as well, his usual spot, and came out the fourth nine spot. We were a lot more uh, efficient. So yeah, a, a game where I think Poch was sort of semi handcuffed into um, picking the same team because of the performance in the game previous. Yeah, I think we suffered quite a lot in this game. I mean, if we look at the first half here, Chelsea had yeah. one shot, which was again it was quite similar to. Um, I can't remember the other game we talked about where uh, Chelsea's first shot was in stoppage time in the it's first Liverpool, half. Liverpool away game, wasn't it? It's Liverpool, yeah. Um, I mean, in those, I mean, in those two games we've amassed in those the first. I mean, if you've added those forty-five minutes together, the first half of Liverpool and the first half of this game is zero point one one xg. I yeah. mean, it's, it's diabolical. Really, we there's an amazing stat. We actually broke a Premier League record. We had four hundred and twenty passes of that shot. That's crazy. I mean, it just they just seem. Well, well, what were they doing? Well, they were just hacking it around at the back for the most part. Um, yeah. I think if you look at the way the team set up, um, there are a lot of people on the pitch who I think like the ball to feet, um, yeah. especially in like the attacking wing areas. I think Madueke he doesn't like to run in behind. Jackson's mm. been trying to get the ball to feet all season. He seems mm. to doesn't want to run in behind. Palmer he likes to drop deep. Spoken about that before. And then Gusto and Chilwell just couldn't, um, you know, get beyond them then because they couldn't get the ball into, you know, when they get the ball into they never ran beyond them. And I think the ball kept going backwards quite a lot and we were quite restricted. And obviously when you don't have any midfield runners in Enzo Gallagher and Caicedo, they're all sort of passing the ball out. It can look very static and sort of yeah. unenergetic. Um, yeah. And you may be... You need someone like, uh, you know, obviously he made the changes at half time. He brought on Nkunku, um, he took off Madueke, uh, and yeah. that helped, I think, with Gusto and getting him further up the pitch, which obviously led to the first goal going in um, for the cross that he put in for Gallagher. But I think there is a case around how the balance of the team just wasn't quite right. And it does seem to happen quite a bit where he doesn't quite, I don't know if it's, he doesn't know the player's strengths. He hasn't really understood what the opposition was going to do because anyone and you know, Palace had were missing quite a lot of their goal threats in Eze and Elise. Um, and well, they're, 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 let's, they're, let's, let's be honest. I mean, like I know Lerma scored a worldie. Essentially, all their goal for it. I mean, I mean, yeah. when they, when you take Eze and Elise out of their team, they're very ineffective, aren't they? Really. Yeah, and obviously it's led to obviously Hodgson looks like he's lost his job as well at the end of yeah. this game, which is sad for him, but. Um, yeah, I think it wasn't quite. It didn't really work. And the second half, obviously, it was a lot better. What, what do you think about the second half? Well, the second half, I think we were saved by the Palace DJ, weren't we? Because there was that that stoppage. It was a funny event. I can't remember the referee, um, but he Michael Oliver. Michael Oliver was the referee. Thank you. Um, and there was, I think, a seven to ten minute delay about some technical issues with VAR. And uh, the Palace DJ to cheer up the crowd thought he put three little birds on by Bob Marley, which you know. I won't sing. I mean, the pod listeners that aren't listening to my singing, but yeah, it it seemed to sort of g up the the crowd a little bit, and 
I mean, obviously didn't, maybe didn't affect the players very much, but we that we just instantly got a goal. It was a strange half in a way because it was a little bit. I mean, we, we might want to have a new section: Brady's boxing analogies. I love boxing. It was almost like in the first six rounds of the fight, we didn't really land a punch, a few jabs, and then we just you know got a huge heavyweight left hook, you know, rocked our opponent, which would obviously be the Gallagher goal, and then just sort of just. You know, again, just to let our opponent off the hook, we could have gone for the kill with Palace there, really. And then in the end, at the death in the twelfth round, in the last minute, we kind of, kind of got the win. But it was a strange sort of. I wouldn't say we were playing okay in the second half. We generated over an XG in the second half, um, but we weren't really going for the kill. And I'll be honest, like Palace were there for the taking. As soon as we, like, you, you often say, you know, scoring before half time is, um, you know, really good. And when you score just after half time, after I mean, Hodgson's obviously said to them, keep it tight. You know, get, you know, get them frustrated. When we score straight away, you can see the players, the Palace players' heads go down, and we just didn't really take advantage. So it was a strange half, but it was just turned around by two, uh, a great goal from Conor Gallagher, uh, two great goals from Conor Gallagher, both very low XG chances, and then Enzo wrapped it up. But yeah, it was a strange half in a way because we really should have been. It looked like we were going to kill them off, and we didn't. So yeah. Yeah, there was definitely felt like we were going to get some momentum, and that never really saw. Sort of... Yeah. It's it strange. never really sort of came, yeah. But the because the goal at the end just felt, you know, the Gallagher second goal mm. just felt a little bit out of place, almost like yeah, we didn't yeah, deserve yeah. it. And then it suddenly came, it, came, it came out of nowhere, didn't it? Yeah, and then suddenly after that goal went in, um, yeah. it was it, I've never seen them play like this. They they were running around, they got the ball, scored the goal. I mean, it was absolute pandemonium, but in yeah. a good way for us, really. And. We were pressing them, we were pushing it, and obviously that was only, only lasted about five minutes because that was how long was left. But um, yeah, it was a, it was an odd game, and then obviously we score the goal at the very end, and um, Enzo scores, and people are you know we had some crazy celebrations. Tizassi mm. crowd surfing. Yeah, he was doing his best uh, Kurt Cobain <laughs> impression. I mean, it was. I mean, yeah, I mean, some fantastic scenes. I mean, Jackson uh, was booked for running across from the. I mean. <laughs> He's absolute I mean, madness. He ran I mean, across from the sub He's got nine yellows this year, and only one of them is for a foul. I mean, that has got to be some sort of record. I mean, that is just—it's almost like yeah, have you heard that clip when Mourinho talks about Balotelli when he says yeah. he's, on, he's on a yellow? He just spoke to him the whole half, the whole of half time. Just don't get another yellow. I haven't got any other strikers, yeah. and he's like fifty minutes. <laughs> Balotelli yellow, sending off. It's a little bit like that. It's um, yeah, he just couldn't <laughs> just. You, you, in a way, it's really admirable and like almost like you know lovable in a way, but it's also extremely naive from Jackson. But I mean, they're a young team, and the scenes at the end were fantastic, and it was good to see Conor Gallagher go for it. I'm not always a bit. I, I wasn't a big fan of Levi Colwell scored his first big goal for the club, and because it was against Brighton, he just didn't really celebrate. I think when you've just been on loan for a team, I think you're okay to celebrate. And yeah. um, I mean, half of Conor Gallagher's goals have been at Sel- for Chelsea have been at Selhurst Park, so. <laughs> they're well used to it now so yeah but it was amazing scenes at the end and like Gary I think Gary Neville said it best um, it's the best way to win a football match isn't it and to go into two absolutely well a, an actual final and not that Man City is a, I wouldn't say Man City is a particularly massive game for us because it's a game where we're probably expected to in many people are to be draw, draw at best it's a game that we need to play well to get some, some momentum into the final so yeah, it was very important and some good vibes coming off the end there. Well, yeah, I think, you know, if we're just briefly on the Man City game, you know, it's an opportunity to make a 
to make a statement win. I don't think we've had any real wins this season that people would say that we weren't favourites for or that we weren't yeah. expected to win for the game. And I think that's been the most disappointing part of the season. Apart from, you could maybe argue the Tottenham game, but you know yeah, that was very, away. I think we probably it's quite yeah. favourable in the end for us. You know, yeah. I'm not expecting Man City to win the game with nine people, nine players, but um, yeah, it was nice to see at the end. And it's a bit of you know of all the poor performances we I think we've seen sort of over the last period of time. You know, two or three months. Um, that felt like a big of a you know we didn't you know said old oh, Villa's not going to be a turning point. You know, don't say, don't say turning point. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying it is turning point, but you know, you, you scam a win there. You not that we scammed a win, but you know, you get a win, you get over the line in a few games, and before you know yeah. it, you know, you've won a few in a row. A bit like what we've done. Performances aren't great, but it's all about winning. And now we need to try and you know, if we get a draw at Man City, that's massive for us. It's yeah. as, as bad as it is where we are but it's massive and yeah, I mean it was just a massive win because if you read the ticker coming up in, t- in terms of the league it's City away followed by Bre- Bre- Brentford away then Newcastle at home and maybe they're a bit of a diminished force now but fair enough and then Arsenal away I mean that's a really tough stretch of game so we just to be honest we just needed the points I mean not that we're in yeah. any, any, any relegation trouble or obviously or but if we didn't win that game it would have been looking a bit like we're just stuck in stuck in ninth or tenth a little bit um, we needed we needed to win that Palace game. We've got a good run in, but we've got four. You know, we've got twelve points available in the next foot in the four games, and you know, a, a, a looking at the odds, we might struggle to get more than five or six. So it's very important three points just to keep into contention for that sixth place, really. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk about some of the players. Let's talk about temperatures. Time to see whose form's on top Who's heating up, whose temperature's dropped Who's been playing well and who's not It's freezing, warming up, boiling hot Right, you have the, the privilege of going first, as it always oh, is Oh, I thought, you, I thought you were first I'll go first, though No, no, you're first You were, yeah, that's you I mean, there's the, the freezing cold It... Bit of a harsh one. Oh, here we go. Well, I just put Madueke in there. I, I, I'm just gonna. It's Madueke slash the sort of your Mudrics, your Madueke. Not Mudrick himself. It's just. It seems to be that Madueke comes off a fantastic performance, and again on the Straight Out of Com podcast, he kind of represented the hot and cold. I mean, we talk about temps, the hot and cold nature. I mean, it, it, I mean, the whole team was terrible on the first half. So I'm not getting on Madueke, and he struggled. But he obviously, he showcased with the first goal, which he gave away. Um, I mean, obviously, it is his fault that he gave the ball away. But obviously, you know, he didn't hand it on a plate to Lerma. And then Lerma had to score probably the goal of his life <laughs> after that. But him and Caicedo got in a muddle. And it just shows with Nonny, he just he takes too long on the ball. He's still a bit naive on the ball. Um, doesn't sometimes make the right decisions. And it just shows that it happens with Mudrick, sometimes a little bit with Sterling. Um, occasionally Palmer has been a little bit up and down as well I mean you, you get this with players but just he goes from a fantastic kind of breakout performance um, you feel like against Villa in that massive game where he was exceptional when he was like put in to just being hooked to half time and you just think going to City now he won't start City now definitely no, not no, I mean no, he, he, won't. he won't and it's just if he had a good game against Palace I think he probably would have so and you look at and just looking at the attackers it's quite ironic because when we talk about injuries, 
we're actually a bit overstocked there now a little bit, um, especially in the, in, in the winger role, because if you if they are going to play Jackson left wing, which I know you're not a big fan of, at left wing, you've got Sterling, well, you've got Jackson, who was essentially first choice at the moment. I'm not sure he will be for much longer at left wing. Sterling and then Mudrick. I mean, Mudrick didn't get a minute the other night. Um, so, and he didn't, I don't think Mudrick got a minute against Villa, did he? I think maybe, no. got, maybe got bought on at the death. I can't seem to remember. So no, Mudrick so. hasn't played for two games. Madawek, so just hot and cold. Um, so yeah, uh, I think, yeah, just not worth a good performance by Nonny and just, it's just, it just thought we'd be back in the potch freezer now a little bit and now he's got to warm himself back up and hit the ground running again when he comes back in and it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a deja, deja vu feeling, I guess, because it's just in and out of the team and can't seem to find any consistency and that's just the way it's going at the moment. Yeah, and I kind of spoke about in the WhatsApp this week is this is just a big problem we have, I think, yeah. with the way that we've recruited agree, where yeah. you've got people who, are, who, you know, in that attacking area, if we don't have injuries, it's really difficult to find any sort of consistency of selection and especially yes. if you're a young player. It's really, really challenging. Um, like Madaweke, fine. He played. I think he played. You know, pretty well against Villa. He plays against Crystal Palace. Forty-five minutes. Fine. He makes the mistake for the goal-ish. Um, it's a great goal. But then he loses his place, and I think you just yeah. got to play through that that pain and say, actually, that's okay. And we're going to keep backing you, and you're going to keep going because he doesn't have the luxury of the fact. If Palmer was injured, he probably stays on the pitch. Yeah. And I thought I mean, Gusto was quite poor in the first half. Yeah. But he, you know, Reese James isn't waiting to come back on if he's rubbish. And he yeah. played on and he had a good, you know, good half in the second half. And he's benefited quite a lot from the injuries. And we've seen Dezassi benefit a lot from injuries. Those are both players who I didn't, you know, people said didn't look that good at the beginning, have really grown into the season. And they've benefited from the fact people have been injured. Mm. And I don't think Madaweke and Madrick, uh, you know, Again, a benefit at all, really, and you could argue that that could happen with Chukwemenka as well. You know where he sits; he hasn't played a minute. Yeah, I mean, um, if you just if you just I'm just looking at Chelsea's squad here. If you take out Gallagher, if you just assume that you know Gallagher, Caicedo, and Enzo play, that means that there's three spots left uh, up top, essentially for right wing, left wing, and strike or whatever variation we play. And then we play four two two two, but. So you've got, you've got seven players. You've got Jackson and Kunku, Palmer, Sterling, Madrid, Madaweke and uh, Carney. I mean, most people say, right, you've got six players with three spots, and you know, um, a first first choice and a backup. But then you've got that seventh one. And that seventh one the other night was a £65 million signing. I mean, it's just, it's just it's not great. Some, someone's basically going to be very unhappy. Or I asked him, it's actually quite similar to when Tuchel used to play 3-4-3. Because mm. you'd have Pulisic on the bench. I mean, the either players obviously have left the club and been deemed not good enough for the club. But he would have to, because he was playing the wing-backs and, and a double-six and a three at the back, he would often have players like Pulisic, sometimes Mount wasn't playing, Havertz, Werner, uh, Ziyech, all these players, not hudson Adoy, uh, all these players just kind of drifted out of the club a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and the, the, thing, the, thing, the funny thing is, is, We've got to find a way to get Christopher and Kunku starting. I mean, I think probably our best attacker, I would say, looking looking yeah. at one of them, we didn't even start the game. So you got you got to get you got to get him in, and also you know I think I'd say I'll say Palmer and Kunku were definite starters. So then you're looking at like five players for one spot if Gallagher plays. So it's yeah, it's a solution. The only solution I see is 
you either drop Enzo or Gallagher. Uh, and that's a huge decision for the manager. So it's a tricky one, I agree. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to see what happens with that. But tough, tough one for Madaweke. Yeah, yeah, tough. And what, what's your freezer? My freezer is Nicky Jackson. Um, oh, dear. I don't think he was particularly good. Um, I don't think he was particularly involved in the game. I think he had twenty three touches. Um, mm. So yeah, it's just a tough spot for him. Um, wasn't helped with the first half, obviously, where. We couldn't really get anyone in the game in the attacking areas. And then second half, I think, I remember him doing one back heel, which was quite good. But apart from that, um, I don't really know where he was sort of trying to be playing, like trying to be played as well. He sort of, sort of roamed around. Um, and although I enjoyed his celebration, getting booked <laughs> for the for the ninth time of the season means he's one yellow card away from being suspended for two matches. So wasn't yeah. the brightest idea, unfortunately, um, in hindsight. So it's like an orange suspension. It's halfway between <laughs> a straight red and a yellow. <laughs> Just getting yeah. two game bands. So yeah. So yeah, it was it was um it was difficult um for, for Jackson. I I just don't think he ever really found his um found his form. Um but I think, you know, obviously he, where are we going to play him? And like, like you said, is there's only really one spot available for him in the formation um, on the left side, and I don't think he's particularly proficient in that area. So, if he's going to play there, he's kind of starting again in terms of learning yeah. it. So he's been learning. I, I mean, I'm not, I know that you're you, you're not a fan, really. Of having, I think having him at left wing is probably he's just not like if you think about the stat, like the traits of being good at left wing. I don't think he possesses many of those. I mean, he's really good at dribbling, probably. I mean, he's not great at it, but he's really good at it. That's has, probably mm, not enough for me. He has really good moments. Like, I remember holding him up on the ball in the game and sweeping across and kind of linking the play pretty well. And, you know, CFC Central on X. And if you follow us at X, uh, Eat, Sleep, Chelsea, we could get up to the... We're going to try and aim for 5K followers by the summer. So if you could follow, drop us a follow and support the pod, that would be fantastic. Thank you. Um, he does CFC Central on, on X. They 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 do say that he's kind of elite at some things in terms of like the things in terms of the scouting in terms of some of the link up play he does and you know the back heel he did. But it's just moments for him, and you just you know there's moments of just you know silly decisions, and obviously the, the, he's lost them. I think he's missed well over ten big chances. I think it's thirteen big chances so far this year. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what we're doing it, Jackson. It's a bit of a funny one because you got Mudrick and Sterling there, um, and now he's kind of, we've kind of got three left wingers, and you're leaving. Well, Sterling is a senior player out, and Mudrick. So very funny dynamic. I don't think Jackson looks any worse than any of the other players. I mean, that's probably no. not saying too much about the other players, but it's he's just sort of he's just you know he's just there he's not really i'm not really excited when he gets on the ball like oh something's really going to happen here it's just sort of he is a real horses for courses player like for instance speaking about the city game i think he could be effective against city because if they play a high line he yeah. is good at he, i mean i remember i remember i think van dyke said the first game of the season i'm not sure if he was uh, being sarcastic he said who was uh, the striker who's troubled you the most and he said jackson and he did he did give liverpool a torrid time in that first third of the season now, obviously that was quite a long time ago but that's, that's the kind of that's the I, kind of so come. No, go on. Sorry, I was interested. That, that was kind of the benchmark. We were thinking, oh, you know, when when you know, obviously when players arrive, there's a lot of hype around them, and then they kind of level out. That's unless they're like elite, 
in like a hazard or something. But they kind of level out, and you see their kind of you know inconsistencies and whatnot, and then they get criticism. But the thing with Jackson is against the high line, he's very effective, and he's quite an awkward player to defend against again. Because I think against City, where he's pretty good at pressing as well, so if he can press them and play high line, but when you know when when Palace are like basically defending, you know, on their <laughs> in the car park essentially, <laughs> he's just not he's just not effective against a low block. Um, that's why when Breuer was at the club, I said you should have played. You know, we should have played Breuer a bit more at nine earlier in the season when he maybe when he was maybe when he was fit a bit more. There's a couple of games when we shouldn't have played Jackson, but it's where you put him, and it's just uh, it's a tough one, especially as we've got to put Nkunku in because obviously him and Nkunku look good in pre-season. So will they link up? So funny one for Potts to work out. Yeah, well, I think Sterling had a really good game against Walker in the in the home game. So yeah, um, that's the level he needs to get to. So it's, it's tricky. Yeah. Um, cool. Right. Well, we thought we were done with the freezer, but yeah. out of got, his Valentine's dinner, we've got a special oh, guest. <laughs> I'm back I on the pod. Myself. I had to hop in. This is like Disassi joining the celebration at the last minute and crowd surfing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm like Jackson, yeah, running across the pitch, you know, trying to get involved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, you guys, you're going to absolutely love my freezer as well. Go on. It's uh, Jordi Petrovic in the oh, freezer. Petrovic, go on, boy. I think three or four weeks ago, we were chatting about it being a no-brainer. When Sanchez is back, we've got to stick with this guy. Petrovic is a young, young goalie, 24 years old. Give him some experience playing this year. Well, I think we've seen him now in a few games, Liverpool being you know, the prime example, but where his distribution has really hindered us. And then you're sort of, well, he's a great shot stopper. But then Jefferson Lerma, Pops one in from uh, 25 yards against him. And I, I saw the Petr Cech breakdown and there's a lot of errors from him, you know, in terms of the, how he approaches trying to save that that shot. And like a lot of goalkeepers that we've had in the past that have let in really easy long-range shots like Kepa, when they go in, they look like, you know, they're unstoppable. But actually, most goalkeepers are saving those. And uh, yeah, I, I just think, so not only is his shot stopping letting him down now, his distribution is obviously massively hindering us. I think that's obvious. Mm-hmm for everyone yeah, to see. I would say that, uh, yeah. and, and I think looking back at that City game, um, before this this game um, on Saturday, I watched the entire City game. And actually Robert Sanchez, the home the home game I'm talking about in the Premier League, were the 4-4. And Sanchez actually made a huge difference in that game compared to what we're watching from Petrovic. We didn't kick the ball long basically at all. And that's strategically so different and allows us to, to be tactically flexible in the game. If we want to kick it long, we can. But also, if we want to keep possession or try and keep possession against City's press and pass the ball out, you know, he's a massive help for us. So um, I think going forward, I actually would go back to Robert Sanchez. And I know this is going to be a, a massive call for Posh when, when Sanchez comes back to full fitness, which I think is quite imminent, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, um, he's my freezer for, for letting in Lerma's first ever goal for Crystal Palace. And also for uh, for maybe the future game as well. Yeah, I think you know we we spoke about the combat like both of them before. I think they both have their strengths and weaknesses. Um, clearly, we haven't seen all of Petrovic's weaknesses. Maybe could be another Kepa classic about can't say long shots. But um, I also think he you know he's a young keeper and he can learn to improve. Obviously, these guys are still very young and. I like Sanchez and I like Petrovic for different reasons. I um, think it's going to be a case of, like I think I said to you before, it's just whoever's in form. 
Um, Petrovic looks like he might be out of form, so you know, good moment for Sanchez to maybe come in after his injury and and improve, you know, impress and, and keep his spot. So it'll be a battle, I don't think. It'll be a yeah, very uh, disappointing to let the goal in. I haven't seen it back actually um, since the game, but um, didn't didn't quite look right when it went in. Like it didn't feel like a really fierce shot in the in the top corner. It definitely wasn't unstoppable. Yeah. Yeah. I think the main thing I wouldn't say he's out of form. I mean, I mean, if you go to Liverpool away, I don't think he could have saved any of those goals, could he? Not, don't remember that. And then the Wolves goal. I mean, half of them were flukes or kind of the, the, uh, right in front of goal one was a penalty. I think for shot stopping. I think my, my my thoughts are the same. I think Petrovic shot stopping is better, just slightly, but um, Sanchez's distribution is pretty far superior. I'm just not. I mean, I I, I'm, I used to be a goalkeeper a little bit I'm, when I was at youth level. I'm not sure you can teach distribution. I was going to ask you guys: Do you think you can in this day and age? Do you think they can coach that? I think get him confident. Can they do drills on the training pitch? Because I watch training videos and there's not much. There's not much distribution drills where you have players pressing and whatnot. Do you think that's something that can be trained? Because shot stopping is a little bit more natural in, in terms of athletic ability. But do you think you could essentially you train? Can. You, you I, I can't think... go go on. I think, I think in terms of structure as well, knowing where to pass the ball, knowing tactically how, how teams are setting up in terms of how they're going to press you. This is all stuff that you know young goalkeepers are definitely going to have to learn and probably will have learned in a lot of the academies in this country. But coming from uh, an American background and, and that training, I'm not trying to you know disrespect that in any way, but I'm not sure it's the same as you know coming up through Chelsea's academy or something like that. So I think, yeah... Definitely it can be coached, I think, and it's on having some natural football ability as well. When I watch Petrovic with the ball at his feet, it doesn't strike me as a as a natural footballer. It looks a bit stiff to yeah. me. Um, yeah. So, yeah. You, you know, obviously you do, you do need to have some, some footballing ability as well. But in terms of, yeah, coaching to, to play out of a press, I think is, is definitely something that can be coached. I think he, you can see that I think he's improved massively with his kind of first look pass where he yeah. knows he goes to Dezassi, um to the right and that's his out ball all the time and he's he's kicking it away. I feel less. I don't have any stats to prove that, but um, he he certainly feels like someone who, as I said, he reminds me of Courtois so much, you know, but, you know, Courtois won a lot of big trophies and, you know, people rate him as one of the top goalkeepers because ultimately saving shots is more important and yeah. theoretically... You know, when we when we go further in the league, you know, we should be holding the ball up further up the pitch, and he should have you know th- you know less touches, so it's it's less noticeable. And as I said, he won't make many mistakes because if in doubt, he'll just launch it. Whereas Sanchez will will make that pass to you know in, you know Reece James or whoever's playing on the right or or Chilwell, and it'll be you know perfect, and that sets you up for another attack. Whereas now you get another shot against you, so. He's his his shot stopping is also endemic of the fact that he gives the ball away um, frequently. Chris, who would you would you when Sanchez is fit, you know, sort of put you on the spot? Who's who's in for you? Like for the, for, for the let's say Sanchez is fit for the final. Oh, I think you know you have to go with Petrovic. Yeah. At the moment, just because he's played the most recently, I don't think you just really? swap in Sanchez. I think when you last minute when you watch that Liverpool game back. And just watches hoof the ball up the pitch to people who can't win headers against Van Dyke and Cunyate. I just feel yeah. like we, we can't play. I just don't think we can play him. 
and he doesn't trust him. I don't think Posh as well to to play it. He must have seen it in training or whatever. Like he's, he'll get caught on the board. I don't think he wants to risk giving a goal away to Liverpool for like an easy goal. You know, just by messing around at the back. So I I, I really think. I think we, if he's fit for the League Cup final, I think it's a no-brainer to put Sanchez back in. I really do. I, I just don't see... Petrovic hasn't been that good where he, he keeps... You know, look, the reason Petrovic is playing, we've got to remember, is because Sanchez got injured. Sanchez didn't get benched. So, you know, it, it's like, you know, if, if a number one goalie gets injured in the past for us, I mean, Mendy and Kepa are a bad, bad example because obviously neither of those are, are number one goalies. But, you know, if Alisson got injured for Liverpool and Kelleher came in and played really well, like he did actually in Liverpool's last uh, game, he played really well. It's a no-brainer to bring him back in because he isn't lost his place from poor play. And Sanchez, you know, although he hasn't been incredible this year, has not lost his place through poor play. So I don't think he deserves to lose his his, his goalkeeping spot. I think the decision is a lot closer, just, though. There's a big gulf between Callagher and Alisson, isn't there? I mean, between Sanchez and Petrovic, some people say it's a little bit of a... Sure, yeah. What I do like about Petrovic is that, you know, he's very different to Mendy, who I think was really bad on the ball as well, and that was evident in his first game. But I think Mendy thought he was a lot better on the ball, whereas yeah. Petrovic, I think, knows that he isn't that good on the ball, which yeah. I think is helpful to him in his own Do you not think he's way. just lacking a bit of confidence and thinks he doesn't want to make a mistake? I went back to that Chelsea TV interview where they said to him, you know, your distribution was a lot better today. And I think, well, obviously, when players are tired or whatnot, they kind of missed the question. He went, yeah, I need to improve my distribution a lot. We're doing it a lot in training. I think he knows. Like, I think he's fully aware that he is inferior to Sanchez. And actually, this City game coming up um, will be a real test because obviously in that, you know, one of the most positive things in that City game when you look, watch back clips of it is the way we pass through them for, with starting with Sanchez. I mean, Sanchez was doing a kind of Ellison impression with Ellison at the other end in terms of the distribution. So if we're hoofing it up long and the Etihad up to Cole Palmer and he's getting you know, smashed by Diaz and all, Ake and all these players at the back winning headers, I mean, it's not going to be a good look for Petrovic. So... With Sanchez come back to fitness, so yeah, it'd be interesting how City goes with their press. Yeah. All right. Um, back round we go, Brady. Well, well I should of... get warming up, shouldn't I? First, no. No. A guest, special guest. Definitely not. No. <laughs> you, you, you turned up late, and you want a yellow. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> you'll be off, son. Yeah, right, Brady. Off, Any more of that, you'll be off. Right, anyway. <laughs> uh, um, my, anyway, don't worry, Craig. My, I've got one of those stupid uh, attempts where it's not actually a player. Like, I couldn't really think of a warming up player for this game because I thought it was a little bit like um, all or nothing. I think it was either freezing or a couple of boiling hots in there. Couldn't even think of warming up. So, warming up, I've gone for just the relationship between the team and the fans. I think, you know, if it were the Ooh, last I, away, I actually like that. Uh, you know, in the last away game, Villa. Um, wow. I, I think our first ITV game, I mean, years. I wish we were playing ITV every week. That'd be good. Uh, you, you just heard the way the way fans sing the whole time, you know, um, and just, and that kind of followed a defeat as well before we were actually winning the game. And you just those scenes at the end. I mean, me and Chris spoke about it earlier, Craig, when you, you know, when you weren't here. I mean, they were fantastic. I can't remember seeing scenes like that as a Chelsea fan. I mean, for a long time. I mean, obviously in finals when we won the Champions League finals, everyone's running on the pitch. But like in a league game, mid-season away. <laughs> when, when we're playing when <laughs> yeah i can't remember like like absolute limbs and like you know i mean obviously just actually celebration is pretty unique one of the kind but even like a player trying to get over the hoardings and they're getting they're getting booked for celebrations i can't remember that really um yeah that's great i mean love that we don't want really to get too many bookings obviously but 
It's it was fantastic to see, and um, again, like Gary Neville said, it's like it's the best way to win a game, and it's a pure vibe to the end, and that, that away support. I mean, especially for the Potter times as well. I mean, they're paying good money going up. I mean, I mean, I said in the last one that eight fifteen kickoff, you're going up on a Wednesday, or I think it's a Wednesday night. Disgraceful, you know. You be paying a lot of money. Trains are expensive in this country. Um, maybe they get the coach as well, but like. Yeah, it's just good that the away fans get some vibes, you know, they're singing to Bob Marley and they get some fun and just some connection and hopefully it can translate to a better atmosphere at the bridge because I, I admit I haven't been to the bridge much recently, but I do think that the the bridge could do with a bit of an uplifting atmosphere personally. You're getting spanked 4-2 by Wolves, not much to cheer about. Yeah, but that. I mean, I, I think, I mean, even like at Palace, they've got a kind of, well, they've got kind of like a, an ultra section that kind of gets the fans going and there's some, they're part that's always singing. I just think we could do with that. I just it's getting a little this, bit. This is this is it. This is the call out auditions for yeah. Uh, Chelsea. The well, singing section was trialed for ages, but I, I I do think like the you know the the Premier League games at the moment obviously just don't you know they don't mean as much in terms of our league. When position. the bridge is rocking, I remember Dortmund last year we were having a terrible season from we yeah. went to the game. I mean the bridge can get rocking even in a bad time. But even like but, the league games when we were at home under Conte in the yeah. title winning season, the last time, they they were really really incredible yeah. atmospheres like yeah. obviously when you're playing for something like everyone talks about the atmosphere this for the last sort of few months at the emirates which has obviously been dead for years the like, the, the, even... the, the, the empty ad as they call it <laughs> no the i'm talking about arsenal state the oh, right. the emirates em- empty roots the, the empty roots yeah exactly <laughs> i mean they still can't sell it out but like it you know it's dead in there as well there's nothing going on like the atmosphere is terrible and fair yeah. enough like you know the last few games has been great there because they're actually fighting. They think they can win the league this year. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's partly to do with the the actual league position and, and what we're playing for at the moment. You can't expect, you know, when, when you're 2-1 down to, to Wolves at half time, you know, on, on a Sunday at two o'clock, you, you can't expect there to be much enthusiasm from the fans coming into that second half. And I think that's understandable. Um, but I, I think Stamford Bridge has got, you know, like you say about Dortmund, and it's got the capacity to be an incredibly intimidating. Because it's because it's, and we'll, we'll miss this when we get the new stadium. It's so close to the pitch. Yeah. So you're so close to the pitch, and it's like like Neville and other players said, Stamford Bridge is actually very intimidating to play at. Um, yeah. because it's it's close, so close to the pitch, and it's a, it's a stadium. Even when back in the nineties, that you know Man United had a really bad record, Stamford Bridge, and yeah, I just think we'll miss it. That we'll miss what we have now when we build a new stadium, when it turns into a bit of an Emirates or a Tottenham stadium sort of thing. And so, it was only three months ago that we played City at home. Obviously, it was four four. And I thought yeah, that, yeah, yeah. No, the bridge that can be. That game was incredible. Yeah, the bat, the bridge can get rocking. So you just want to see it a little bit more. I just think well, it, it goes, can, goes hand in hand with the football as well. Football. Exactly. I think when you're two 0 down to Wolves and you come out and you're thinking, well, they're just going to slip the ball sideways for about forty minutes and barely get a good fair. shot off. It's I just not. think. Not it, is it? The, the more, the more we're, we're a popular team, we're an international team. I think you get quite a few tourists at the experience. You get a few quite a few tourists at the games. People come for the first time. You get families and stuff like that. I get all that. That means that uh, the noise this is war- just warming up. Yeah. No, <laughs> what I'm, I'm saying over, is, I'm my brother. Families are there. It's just family there. You two definitely aren't quite a family at the game. I've seen you, but yeah, I mean, it's just. The away support, just just bringing a little bit of that away support to the home games, like you said, maybe get the shed rocking or the have Matthew Harden rocking, that would be good. Just yeah, I'm, I'll go a little bit the other way. Maybe when the team goes one nil down, you get really behind them and he can become the twelfth man a little bit. It goes both ways, but it depends on the side of the fence you are. But I just I, I mean Poch said Poch said this week that you know he was asked is there 
are you feeling the love from the Chelsea fans? And he was like, no, because <laughs> he was very blunt. I have to be honest, no. It's true. Like, there's no real love between Poch and the fans. I at think all. he understood that though, as well. He explained. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He was he was being pragmatic, but yeah. with the team, and we th- we don't we don't really know a lot of these players, you know. So we're getting to know these players more. Actually, you know, Enzo's been here. I, early... I think the personality of the players. I I, t- I actually love that you're warming up. Usually, I'm very anti the uh, the non-player warming ups, but I really love this one because I I totally agree. I think. Uh, Enzo over these last two away games. Obviously, you, everyone knows as well the the away support are the really the hardcore, or the blood of the club. You know, the the people that go to the away Premier League games, especially. Um, absolutely fair play to them. I think they're the, you know the proper Chelsea support. You know, uh, I, I would say are those guys. And Enzo, obviously, having two great performances away at Villa and away at Palace, and going over and celebrating the way that he did um at Zazi, I think it's becoming even more popular. I think Chilwell's sort of growing into that captaincy yeah. role. Thiago Silva's really popular fans. I think Malo Gusto has just put into cracking performances back to back and he's becoming more popular with the fans. Nicholas Jackson obviously come across everyone loves Conor Gallagher, Cole Palmer. You know, yeah. these these guys are all really, really popular with the with the fans. And it's only actually a couple of players that I think are never going to get there with the fans. I, yeah. I think the fans have even been really patient with Mudrick to be fair. Um, yeah, definitely. But I just think you can just sense there's something, there's actual connection, nowhere near our past, you know, connections with the other clubs. And obviously there there was a big connection with the Champions League team. But yeah, I just, I'm just sensing a little bit of an uptick in that department. Yeah. Right, back to the players. Right, back to the players. Warming up for me. It's really tricky, actually. Yeah, I think it's tricky this year. If, if yeah, because I yeah. think there's a clear boiling heart. Yeah, and there's there's, I think there's a, a couple of boiling of... hearts, and not really. Ma- I didn't see many warming ups really. No, uh, it, was, it was. I guess the first half was particularly dismal. Um, I guess I can stick in Enzo. You kind of talked about him there a little bit. Um, I think for me, he's warming up. I wouldn't put him as boiling hot yet, um, mainly because I watched the first half. Um, I thought to be he fair, was Enzo in the first half. I thought he was trying. I thought he was yeah. poor with his through balls, but he was trying them. Yeah, I think I've. I think we kind of given him more credit than he than he actually deserves for his passing um, through balls. I think we've seen some really good ones um, that have led to goals, but there's loads of bad ones, um, which I think aren't even that difficult to play because um, I've seen a lot of other players sort of getting good positions in that area, um, similar to him. In other in other teams and delivered those passes. So yeah, um, I, I think he's coming a long way. I think obviously the free kick he scored was something that kind of woke everyone up a little bit to say that this guy actually might be decent um, because he was kind of floundering. I think for for the majority of this season, and the goal contributions make a big difference in midfield. We've seen that now in the last two games. You know Gallagher and Enzo have actually chipped in, and, and it makes such a big difference because. Uh, I think the attacking in this team's fairly, fairly average to poor. So, yeah, it's it's been a really good last couple of games. I thought second half against Palace. I think for me, just the sprinting up the pitch for the third goal, like he could have just done nothing. Like we've won the game, it's 2-1 basically, we're on a counter. But if you watch him for his goal, he's literally absolutely blitzing it up the pitch. And then he, he has the... And then he gets there and he doesn't want to just snap shoot... This is his confidence now. We've seen him take some really poor shots, I think, in the last sort of couple of months. But he just composed himself, I think, after that goal against Villa. And then he picked his spot. And then he he was straight over. He's got his celebration ready. 
Um, do you know, do you know who he reminded me of in that moment? And obviously he's nothing Fabregas. like this player. No, he, remi- <laughs> he reminded me of uh, Frank Lampard in that moment because he was desperate to score a goal. And that's just what I think. Yeah, well, he, did, he, didn't, he didn't pass. <laughs> yeah, he did. That's the other thing Probably as well. Balak, Balak sort of passed through the ball down there. I always think even when it got to the end of games, Lampard scored so many goals between 80 and 90. Like yeah. when, when other teams were tired or whatever, he was so desperate to get a goal. And uh, it, it did remind me of that, that desire makes such a big difference, really does. Because who knows, by the way, Palace could have got some lucky deflected goal like uh, Wolves got or whatever at the end of that game. It could have finished 2-2. So, you know, you, you never know how the game plays out. I, mean, I don't think that boy Munu's at left back, right back would ever recover. I mean, he sat him down twice. I mean, I've never seen that before. He sat him down and then he sat him down again and he went, right, now I'm going to shoot. That was most bizarre goal. It was actually a really good goal. It was a yeah, really yeah. Um, Leon Tooney on the Common Podcast said that he actually recreated a free kick because he created a wall for himself and then put it, <laughs> put it, <laughs> <out> of, <laughs> and put it in the top corner. Uh, yeah. Um, with Enzo, I mean, my, with the same, I think the issue is going to be the pace. He can, he can a little bit, I, I always compare it to Jorginho, but they're quite different players. But Jorginho was out of trouble with him. I mean, I think he's very good on the ball when he can kind of run the game deep. And I think that's where he's good. Um but and he's got a little bit, a little bit. He's got way, he's got more dynamism. But he wants to see Jorginho really scoring that goal, that split, you know, sprinting up the pitch to try and get a goal. But he does like pace a little bit. He can be played around a little bit. They, they, they just got a sort of positioning out of him and Caicedo because when they're when they're closer together, it's so much better. And that, they just got to do that in training. I mean, that's just that's a potch issue. You know, those boys being isolated and Caicedo being sort of left to the wolves like he was a little bit against, um, well, against wolves and. And against Liverpool, it's got to, just got to sort out the tactical that tactical balance with the midfield, and then we'll be fine. So yeah, I think he's obviously improving. And look, in terms of midfield goals, I'm probably going to talk about Gallagher and the boy in heart. It's like him and Gallagher have got was it five goals between them in the last two games? I mean, that's, we need that. Like, if we start getting goals from midfield, then we're going to we're, we're going to score plenty of goals because our attack scores plenty. We need more goals from that that midfield three if we can get it. You got one, Craig. You got warming up. I got a great warming up. I can't believe you guys haven't put this in there. But uh, Axel Dizarzi. Oh my god. The axe. I think he's warming up. No, I think he was pretty good. Brady's bracing uh, himself. I think he's pretty good against Villa, and I thought he was was pretty good against Palace. Oh, you actually being serious? You're not trolling? (laughs) No. And then also on top of that, the celebration. Like, come on, he's warming up. I've been saying you've been warming up since August, mate. So you're just the most obvious warming up you've ever seen. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think uh, it could be short-lived in the next couple of games, but I think he's favourite. You know, opponents have been um, quite. uh, He did get absolutely done. He's he's a bit like a stand-up comedian, Desardi. I find his jokes quite funny, and you two like, nah. But then eventually, you find them a bit more funny, and now you're like, oh, this guy's pretty good. (laughs) We've had a few more drinks or something like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that actually is quite funny, isn't it? Yeah, but um, I mean, he's. He's a what I say about Desardi is he's a presence. He's got a presence about him, and he is a proper defender. Like he, and what I mean by that is again, a bit of a lazy comparison, but he's compared to Rudiger, where he will put his body on the line. Like he'll he'll go for balls. I mean, he did like a really good side tackle in the box against Villa, where he kind of timed it really well. And I think his passing sometimes is actually pretty good. Um, I think that's a little bit underrated, but he is a bit calamitous. Let's be honest. He's got, <laughs> can't, he, can't give him that. I, can't I think his pass is not too bad, to be honest. I think it's okay. I don't think it's... I mean, I mean Sil- Silver finishes the matches with, like, 
98, 99%. He's finishing it with like 94. Yeah, I, but think... I, I, I think for Silver, you saw that with Silver, that was uh, the problem in the first half a little bit was Silver a little bit because against the low block, because him and Dizazi were just playing it around all the time. I, mean, just Silver, I, Silver... I don't think it was his, their fault, but yeah. Okay. Well, but I think they were a bit slow getting it out and. Um... I don't think he's a presence. I don't think... Look, I've said before, I think we've probably the worst centre-back at the club in the first team. I mean, I would maybe even... i put Chalibur ahead of him as well. I think Chalibur's a good player. Um, that's debatable. But, you know, he is what he is. He's a presence and... Poch, he's, like it or like it or loathe it, like I said before, he's one of Poch's trusted soldiers. He'll start, he'll start on Saturday and he'll start the cup final. <laughs> I so, think the reason he's starting, though, is because Fafana's injured, right? Like, like, I don't think he's like... Yeah, sure, but... That I think might... he's going to start ahead of Fafana, obviously. Oh, and I, and I think, to be honest, if Silver and Cole were fit for Liverpool, I think they would start as well. But we'll never know the answer. I to actually, that. I don't know about this Fafana. I mean, obviously, you've got to play Fafana because he was, you know, he's really hyped. He's um, he's had a few good games, um, but I think he's also looked really, really poor strength-wise. So if the problem is you want Tizassi to be more athletic, I think. But um, yeah, like I think he played well as well, but. Um, I'm just not not convinced, unfortunately, with him still. But maybe you don't need to be. You know, maybe he just he's just one of those players who who's there and he makes a big difference. Um, boiling hot, boiling hot, easy, isn't it? That's the thing. Sorry. Yeah. Well, let's do boiling hot. I mean, it's got to be Connor, hasn't it? Well, there's, there's two choices for me. I think that's the low hanging fruit. Yeah, I think I think we can talk about Conor Gallagher as a group. I guess. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think Todd and Eggdad they might want to think about getting the DocuSign ready personally and get the get the pen ready. I think I think it's time. Well, name your price. Yeah, I, I don't know. If name, I don't know if it's name your price, but the main mud slung the main mud slung at Conor Gallagher for the contract was the lack of goals. And look, he's only got two. I mean, I, I mean, three of his goals, like I said before. Three of his six goals have come at Selhurst Park, so he's got to start scoring against you know better opponents and more varied opponents. But if he gets, if he can get to like ten league goals, if he can get to like ten goals this year, on top of what he's giving the team, I think you just, I think you got to give him a new contract and just sell other players. This is the way I see it. Um, I know Craig, you, you know, you, you, you differ a little bit, and but I just think for me, I think I'm just more, more open-minded to the fact that I, th- I think. Approaching this season, Conor Gallagher was not in the plans for next season, I think. I think that's pretty mm-hmm. obvious. And and I would have 100% agreed with that. I, d- I didn't really rate Gallagher as highly no. um, to start in the summer. I think that's fine. I think that the, they've approached that in a fine manner from a process point of view. Um, but I think, yeah, his performances this season have definitely warranted some discussion in terms of his value now to the club and I think he, he is valuable to us and then it's just a matter of where you draw the line in terms of how much money you 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 believe he's worth in terms of your current wage structure and remember this isn't the old wage structure where Malang Sars on 100k a week and you know Kai Havertz is on 300 and Lukaku's on 350 this is you know the the new structure where where our best players and our biggest signings like Enzo Fernandez are on 180k a week or or um, Moises Caicedo is on even less than that and even players that we've signed for big money like Mikhailo Mudrik's only on 100k a week so it you're giving him more money than all these guys and you just want to need to be careful in terms of how you manage the squad in this 
situation because at the moment, you know, assuming Raheem Sterling leaves in the couple of, next couple of years or whatever, you know, he's the oldest player. But apart from him, Reese James is our highest paid player and he's probably our best player. You know, that, that, that's what you wanted to have at a club is where your, your best players are your highest paid players. And, and that sort of creates a natural um, progression going forward. What, what you want to avoid is players like Malang Saar being paid 120k a week and then he's on a five-year deal and he's still here, you know, get, being the seventh highest paid player in our squad. Yeah, but you know, that's, that, that's that's nothing. I mean, Malang Saar didn't play anywhere near the level that Conor Gallagher did for Chelsea. Malang Saar was no, but that's a, that's a, a mistake. Player. He he's getting paid that much money, and that was a mistake. You know, yeah, whereas that's, I think, that's a mistake from the old board, isn't it? That's, exactly. Uh, yeah, that's fine. But, but that's what we're trying to avoid because we've just spent you know the best part of two years selling forty-two players or getting rid of forty-two players because we're paying them about 50 million a year in wages. I, I, I think I think an interesting metric is how how, how much do you think Carney's on a week? Uh I think he's on about 100k, right? He's on 100k, right? And this is a player who's barely and had some injuries, talented player, but will probably be in and out of the team, won't start that many games this year. And he's and I think you put that and Conor Gallagher's on 50k more a week and he's be captain for better or for worse, probably our best performer in a lot of games. Um, starting to score goals. I think 150k is really sure. I, I think I think Gallagher is putting the case for this year with his performances that he is probably worth around that. I think that's fine. I think my opinion has changed from he's not worth that at the start of the season to maybe you know it would be fair to pay him that. But now what what you're talking about now his his agent might say to you no actually you know I know I can get 200k a week from Tottenham. Well, so mate, what do you say now? Like, you know, there, there has to be a line where you draw in terms of value and think, look, we'll take the 50 million and, and, and you can win the league without Conor Gallagher. Well, so this 50 million thing is presumptive. It's a dry market. There's no money around. The only, and the only way, the only place he's going is the Premier, in the Premier okay, League. Okay, but Everton bid 45 million from him in the summer. It was he, he, didn't, he doesn't want to go. And he doesn't want to go to Tottenham either. So you're going to send him to a club he doesn't want to go to, he's going to reject. Or he's not going abroad. There's no money abroad. So I don't think Tottenham are like you know got loads of money. This fifth fifty million might be thirty by the summer. Sure, so, well, I, if he doesn't sign a contract, he's got got to go because there's no way that we can let him go for free no. at the end of that that next season. So I just think fifty million is presumptive, and they're hanging on for a price they might not get. To be honest, and I think they're probably they probably needed to sell him in January for that to happen. I think. Well, they couldn't have got to the PSR, but yeah. What do you think, Chris? I think if. Conor Gallagher was at Tottenham and he was putting in these performances and he became available in the summer, I'd be looking to get him. <laughs> I, th- I think there's also another point. If, to- if Conor Gallagher was French, he'd get a new contract. It's just, it, <laughs> it, I mean, it, I don't know about that. It's pure profit, isn't it? I mean, it is. Yeah, I'm sorry. There well, is, that, is the te- well, that has to be factored in. That is a temptation. That, that, if he was a French sort of, um, like, a, like a, I don't know, um, oh, I can't say that, a Colombian, whoever. Like, if he was coming up like that and then we'd be, we'd be throwing we'd be throwing money at him there's also it's, like a form angle to it as well because we've seen obviously Conor Gallagher as a body of work for the last three or four years playing and this is the best he's ever played right so is this just an anomaly a, a fluke like a, a good patch of form it's the first or, time he's been in the team consistently though isn't it or he's, always, is it, he's always been in and out or is it just yeah just like it, the player that he's I mean, even the goals the other night the, 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 just the XG of the goals the first goal was 0.17 the second goal was 0.05 they're tough goals yeah like, look if, if Conor Gallagher been, like if he had 10 goals even up, up until this point in the season like you said no if he'd got 10 goals I think this would be a no-brainer 
I think obviously his passing and his shooting are probably his two weakest attributes. And, and when you're going to play 10 for Chelsea or, you know, quite high up in the pitch in, in midfield or wherever you say that he's playing, you know, that those two attributes are really, really important. So I, I think there is definitely question marks from me on Gallagher in terms of the technical side of his game. I think that's always going to be there. But in terms of the other side of it, and obviously what he brings the team in terms of leadership and desire and, you know, loving to play for the club, he doesn't want to leave. I think that's pretty obvious. I think, yeah, look, it, I'm definitely coming around to the idea that we, sh- we should be making a huge effort to try and keep him. I would I would definitely try and keep him. I think 24, this is the, the time that you look at all the other players who are really, you know, playing well at that age in our team. Um, you know, that's what we're looking for. You know, Reece, slightly older than Reese James. Oh, no, slightly younger than Reese James. And people mm. will consider him like still a youngish player that needs to, to push on. And I think he's playing at a very, very high level. So to lose him would be painful, I think. Not that we don't have players underneath him. The thing him is, you're going you're gonna to lo- lose him to like Spurs, man. That's just, that's brutal. Like yeah, but he... I also, we, we also haven't seen anyone really, because of the injuries, we've not seen anyone in that position play there and, and do a better job so maybe will we ever see that with how well he's playing I don't know and as well like he doesn't have to be in the fact that like, if it's sort of like you know he's blocking pathways like he can come on he can be a good sub in like European games if we get there for next season he can play loads of deals. I said just before like he can be like a really good squad player they exist like City have those yeah. like well like, yeah people like him to like Jordan like, Henderson like, right it doesn't have to be uh, like Kevin De Bruyne like he he can just be in and out of the team and just do a job. And he can do a job anyway. So you can put him sometimes right wing and he goes up and down and sees the game out. He's just, even under Potter, you know, he, he would like run the ball down and sort of see a few games out. So I just think, um, maybe I'm thinking of the old 150k isn't a lot of money. And maybe Craig's right. that They're kind of, but some of the transfer fees that they're paying. And I just think, and we can probably should probably quickly talk about Victor Osterman. I mean, if we want Victor Osterman, because that as we recorded today, that Mbappe is going to leave PSG. There's already stories that from the Telegraph that PSG are after Osman already. If we don't pump stump up the cash wage wise, he will not come to Chelsea. So they're going to make a decision. You can't you can't go to Osman. Do you want 150 a week? Same with Tony. You've got to pay the big money. So there's going to have to be some sort of. Uh, again, with the recruitment with the older players, there's got to be some sort of kind of leveling a kind of. Um, Adaption of uh, strategy because at the moment you can't really be paying play offering players 100k a week for like, forever. It just won't work. Your cost can't sustain at the highest level like that. You just can't. We won't compete with the cities and even the Arsenal's going forward. We've got to adapt it a little bit. I think, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah there's a you know you, you'll end up back in the mess we were in at some point in the future. But hopefully, you know you're in a in a good spot at that point with um with the contract lengths. And and having some people who can uh, you can sort of hang your hat on. That doesn't always work like that, as we've seen. Anyway, only have any a other up. boiling hot. Well, Craig's got this. You know, he's turned up late and he's got this uh, this amazing boiling hot. I mean, I just had a different one. I think from Gallagher. I, I I've gone for Malagusta. Yeah, I, I was going to as well. I, I thought Why he not? was absolutely. I I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. In the in the game, I know Gary Neville on the on the co-coms as well for Sky was saying throughout the first and start of the second. Obviously, the only player showed up for us. I th- I, th- I think as well back-to-back games. Now I thought he was really good against Villa as well. Um, and 
he just really helps us with his build-up play. He's, he's so calm on the ball. Obviously, fantastic assist for uh, Gallagher's first goal. Um, and I just think he's he's turned into a baller for us. He's, he's turning into one of my favourite players as well with his his personality on the pitch. I think he's got a bit of a bit of an aggressive, nastier side to his game as well, which I quite like. Um, and yeah, he's willing to do everything. He's got a bit of quality in the last uh, third as well. And, and yeah, I think he, he's, a, he's a bit of a, a borderline fan favourite, I think, at the age of 20, which is kind of crazy. I mean, there's news today that Reese James is coming back uh, next month for full fitness. There's no rush like And for two reasons, there's no rush. We don't need... I mean, as long as Mano Guzman stays fit, we've got a really good player right back. I'm not saying he's better than Reese James at all, but there's no need to, like, for Reese James to rush back and get himself re-injured or whatever, because we've got cover there now. And this guy is more than cover. I think, look, I'm not saying he's better than Reese James, but he has he has qualities where he just, he, I don't see many weaknesses in his game at that position. I think, And I think some of the defensive stuff, you know, that, that uh, in, I know we, we talked about that Trossard goal for Arsenal where he let him go. That can be like coached. The actual attributes he's got are fantastic. And I think we've got a real player there. Um, and a lot of players I think talk... they can both play together as well. I don't see any reason that they can't both play together, James and Gustav. Sure, the only problem is is where you can... yeah, we this go... is this is where you start getting into the realms of. Well, well you can have to go to the old Craig. You have to go to the old Craig three four three for that. I think, but um, fantastic. Yeah, uh, or put Reece James in midfield, and then <laughs> where's Conor Gallagher going to go? I don't think. <laughs> you're going to play Gusto as the right side of a four in the middle. No, you, well, what I'm saying, I think what Craig would, would be thinking would be that we go three four three, and Craig Reece James plays right centre back. Is that right? Yeah, Craig? exactly. Yeah, and we can obviously pivot that yeah. as we got the ball and Reece. And gets he, he would, he would, he would underlap and stuff like that, right? Yeah. That's what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, um, like he did for Tuchel a little bit. Um, I think we've got a real, pl- real player, and um, I think he was 26 million. I think there's some add-ons as well. I mean, people talk about Cole Palmer being a. a Bargain for 40. I know he's not Cole Palmer levels in terms of performance, but in this game, 93% pass accuracy, 11 crosses, all right, only three of them were accurate, but he got an assist, four successful long balls, eight out of 12 ground duels, seven recoveries, two chances created, and an assist, 136 touches of the ball. Bit of an all-rounder. He can hustle, he can cross the ball, he's got some talent, he's confident on the ball, and his mentality, like I said before, I'm repeating myself, he came in at Liverpool away when we're 3-0 down, came into like a came into a disaster and just looked pretty calm and cool and like I'm fine, like I'm not nervous and that so that sort of thing. So yeah, it was great. Yeah, I thought he was really he's really good because I didn't think he would play particularly well in the first half actually. Um but I think second half he's made the goal and um yeah, he was uh he was good. Still think there are reservations about him, but I like the fact he's getting um He's getting loads of time, which is important for his development, benefiting a lot from the injuries. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a great win, um, and it puts us in sort of good stead to go to to the Etihad on Saturday and hopefully not get our pants pulled down and have a good learning fun. experience. Yeah, painful these ones, um, but look, we'll see how it goes. Um, but not, that's a shot, not, not a shot to nothing, our lad. Shot, shot, shot <laughs> to a complete shot to nothing. Um, oh, in other news, I gained four. I gained four points in Jamie Elwood in the ECR league, uh, FPL league this, this this time, but uh, not quite top yet. But I'm looking to get back on top soon. 
That's it. Yeah, it was. Uh, well big done for all the coming up. Cookie cutter. Yeah, it's a big week. Big week, Chris. Cookie cutter done well. Erling turning up. Thanks very Let's much. Let's see how bro you and DD Defana get on the double game week, say, Chris. Big big times. Yeah, uh, it's all, all changed, mate. Oh, we'll see. Isn't it a free hit? Don't you get that? Yeah, you do get a free hit. Yeah. I'll have a free hit then, please. <laughs> Coming right up. <laughs> right. Yeah. Thanks very much, boys. Appreciate it as always, and thanks, Craig, for hopping on. No oh, before, we, oh, before we finish, go and see our guy on cinemas. Cheers. <laughs> go and Bo- see the Bob Marley film. Bo- Bo- oh yeah, Bo- oh, yeah, that, that as well. But Bowley's uh, Bowley's paid us to do that. A bit, bit of money. So go and see our guy on cinemas. Out of cinemas soon. Go and see it. Don't believe the reviews. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Well, there you go. There's some propaganda for you. All right, that's all we've got time for today. Um, but regards to the result, we'll also be back next week um, to discuss the aftermath. Of the city bloodbath and 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 potentially a bit of a behind enemy lines pod. Yes, I was going to say yes. Yeah, Unfortunately, the big, the big cup final. Yeah, definitely doing a preview. Definitely a preview, not a review. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if we've got the stomach for a review after that. We'll get them back on, maybe. Let's see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if we win. <laughs> um, no, good stuff, but. Um, Look, thanks very much. For more updates and all things ECR, you can follow us on X at Eat Sleep Chelsea and Instagram at Eat Sleep Chelsea Pete. And as always, we hope you're carefree, wherever you may be. And thanks for listening.